0: it feels like pure pleasure that you just never want to stop but then after a while you do kind of want it to stop because then you need the distance between pleasure and no pleasure to have the pleasure just like yeah oh that's how it feels
1: hello so this is Carmen Ali aka. April Fiasco. She is a multidisciplinary performer and writer and the co-artistic director of Sexquisite Events and co-organiser and dancer at Cybertease. She goes into more detail about what both those things are and her work in general right at the top of this interview so I won't go into too much detail. Now what I will say is some of her sound is a little bit challenging. She had internet issues as well as a cat who was quite determined to get in on the chat we were having. Just make your peace with those and you'll get on really well with it. I have and I'm Seriously enjoying where the conversation went to. Carmen is very interesting on the ways in which burlesque and stand-up Converge and diverge the differences between them in terms of performance and audience as well as talking to us about sex workers rights and the ways in which she thinks legislation should change around that whole area as well as promoting her shows I'm really glad she gives them a big shout out at the end I'm keeping in what she says about an event on the 11th of September in Bristol because I'm hoping that event takes place more than once so I'm keeping that in just in case it's a repeat that people Around the southwest, can go to. Uh, big shout out to my Bristol people. I am hoping to get down there to do some shows soon. I'm developing a new live show. I didn't go to Edinburgh this year, and not going has really lit the fire in me to try and go next year with a show all about being a ravenously hungry mother I am (laughs) and everything that that entails lots of body stuff lots of rage, lots of fun fun funny bits, we hope I'm sorry there's been a bit of a delay in transmission, there's been about four weeks where we've not put out an episode I hope that people didn't think that killed (laughs) killed my spirit it was a great episode and I didn't have a pause I didn't go to Edinburgh or anything like that, it was because I was doing some lovely filming on a telly thing and I just didn't have time to do all the editing and interviewing I wanted to to make these next few episodes. So, we've got a few more before the series comes to a close, and they are great. Carmen is fantastic. Guess next week is delicious. And there's so much more to look forward to before we finish this second series of Come As You Are. But for now, let's get into Carmen because it's such a fascinating chat. I'm going to come back for a little outro because there's some things she talks about in terms of orgasms and her relationship with sex, which really chimed for me and i only realized afterwards so i want to have a little bit of a conversation about that if you are here for that see you then if you're not feel free to log off if you want to fling us some pounds some pennies some euros some dollars anything you can spare at this difficult time we would hugely appreciate it we are on patreon www.patreon.com forward slash helen duff that's duff with two f's like the beer in the simpsons or you can give us a one-off donation if you don't want to become a recurrent Patreon on our Ko-fi. Again, co ficom forward slash Helen That would be much appreciated. If you want to just give us a review, you can do that on iTunes. You can also give us a star rating on Spotify. I discovered that and was very delighted to see that we had a very good star rating last week. I love those reviews. Thank you so much to Lydia Catterall. She gave us our latest review for this new series of the podcast and said some very lovely things. So that was a huge boost. And the title of the review is Just Listen, Yeah? And for people who've given us previous reviews, I've never shouted you out, and I'm going to do it right now. Stephanie, 1820, Fuskin2, Glasto, Glasto, Cursed and Blessed, (laughs) Liz in Yane, JW487, Joanna09, Katrina W96 and Daisy KRG you are forever remembered in the Come as You Are Hall of Fame. Thank you so much for giving us a review. If you would like to give us one, we would hugely appreciate it. And we will clock you straight away because I check it all the time. <laughs> okay, that's enough. I'm so excited for you to hear what Carmen has to say. Here she is on Come as You Are. The fantastic Carmen Alley.
0: Hi, I'm Carmen Alley. I'm a multidisciplinary performer, comedian, writer, actor. I also do burlesque and cabaret as April Fiasco. And I co-run two sex worker collectives. The first one is Sex Positive Events. Um, we run theatre, cabaret shows
1: where we platform sex worker artists. I love that name. It's very, very good. I also really love you're doing a sex positive event in Bristol, I saw. Yes. Called Our Gasm very jealous of some of this vocab I really want it.
0: I didn't come up with that one. I did come up with Sex Visit but um that's run by No Strings Bristol. Um but yeah that is a great name. So yeah I'm going to be doing Burlesque at that on the 11th of September. Top plug. Um, but I I have <laughs> gone straight for the plugs. The plugs are supposed to be at the end. No no plug them but- now. Or, 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 or orgasm. So I couldn't resist. Yeah and then the other collective is called Cybertease and we were set up during um, lockdown 2020 because there was nothing else to do so we created online virtual strip clubs on zoom and it went really well people loved it it's all about like challenging the mainstream strip club model so for example um, no house fees like we work as a cooperative so we share the profits between everyone who's been involved yeah I love both my collectives and I love performing For anyone who doesn't understand that language what does a house fee mean oh yes of course so um in a strip club you have to pay a house fee to work there mm. so like that could be 20 pounds it could be 100 pounds could be 150 pounds could be a set fee and then it could be a percentage of your dances as well mm. the club takes this money
1: and, and how regularly do we- you have to pay that fee is it every night you work every or-
0: night every night whereas we so with cyber teas so for example when we did the online shows we keep all the ticket money from the event and we te- keep all the tips that they've sent us on paypal mm-hmm. and we keep all the private dances and we share it between everyone so ultimately uh, you could
1: end up just sorry not to be too stuck on this point but i think it's something that a lot of people don't realize you could end up down you could work a night and then you oh yeah hundred because some
0: clubs you have to pay your house fee up front and then you have to make it back some places better you pay at the end of the night yeah. and occasionally if you haven't made it they might um not ask you to pay it that night but it totally depends on the club
1: so it's a bit like for a comic it's a bit like if the person organizing the gig hasn't got enough people to come and watch or hasn't done any kind of Outreach promo. to get an audience. Exactly. Bring a bringer gig. Bring gigs are particularly punishing because you're so early. You're like you, yeah. you don't tend to do bring a gigs once you've established yourself and people are asking you to come. Yeah, attention. I haven't done
0: one for years.
1: Um, you're so early on in your career, and the kind of material that is coming out on those gigs is so bleak to watch. Like you're often in a lineup with a lot of people who are just recycling stuff they've read out of joke books or I don't know yeah. seen in the 1950s. So you're paying for an experience that is so. <laughs> So undermining of your confidence and your whole, like, enjoyment of comedy. You'd said earlier you added stand-up into your repertoire after having done stripping at uni.
0: I started stripping and then I, because of stripping, I kind of discovered burlesque. Uh And this was when burlesque was making a big comeback. Mm. And then I kept seeing comedians, so I was like, oh, I think I want to do that instead. And I didn't stick with the burlesque at the same time because I kind of felt like I didn't know what I wanted to say. So I carried on doing stand-up and I came back to burlesque years later in 2019. You didn't know what you wanted to
1: say with the burlesque.
0: Yeah, so I was just kind of doing acts that I kind of liked the idea of, but they weren't really that powerful. Mm. They weren't
1: really, ah,
0: do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas like...
1: Like going through the motions, kind of doing what you thought burlesque should look like rather than feeling you know, like I'm really...
0: burlesque, and like... It, two of the acts that I used to do one of them I have reworked since I started doing it again Mm -hmm. and I like best I like how it is now better what's
1: it like describe it for us
0: it's an act where I'm like dressed as a witch and I'm going to a fancy dress party and originally (laughs) I would when I first did this act I would see a sign that said fancy dress party cancelled and I was like really sad and then I would take off my witch outfits and then dance and now it's the same sort of concept but I've Updated it. So for example, now there's a voiceover that's a text message that's like, um, oh hey babe, like so sorry, but the fancy dress party is cancelled. I think I've got COVID. (laughs) I'm so sorry. And like there's like (laughs) music in the background, so they're obviously having a party, and it's like I've added jokes. Nice stand up has made me able to add more jokes to things. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Or like a comedian. Um, and then I change the songs, so I, do, I do striptease to the songs and I've just made it more kind of funny um, and just, yeah, made it better and more fun to watch. But that is one of my pure comedy ones. It doesn't really have a message well, no, Where is like, ask,
1: and I don't want this to be too agended because obviously I like making people laugh and it gives me a certain thrill and I don't want to suggest that, like, oh, if you're not making people laugh and it's not successful, my question is more, like, is the feeling you get from the burlesque different if it's funny for you as a performer? Because, like, not all burlesque is funny, right? Some Mm -hmm. of it's beautiful, some of it's... Yeah, I guess it is
0: quite satisfying. Obviously, you want people to cheer because you look hot and you're like you know maybe you're taking a stocking off a really sexy way but you also the, the <laughs> feeling that you get when people laugh at as well like they're like you're you're doing something sexy but you have also maybe laugh is like infinitely better I
1: mm. think why do you think that is why is that more satisfying yeah. that you're both sexy and funny at the same time
0: for you because i'm multi-talented yeah exactly <laughs> no it's important i think because and en- i guess because anyone can like get on stage and be sexy
1: not anyone not anyone i don't think i could i think i would be a mess i think i would be a real embarrassment to have an involved
0: it's one skill to be able to be sexy mm-hmm. but then it's another skill to be able to bring them together there's this idea that women can't be hot and se- and sexy and funny and it's like yeah yeah we can like watch me yeah (laughs) but yeah most of my acts
1: are comedy acts, or they are political acts or they're or they're a mixture of both Mm -hmm. I was just going to ask you about I was saying oh I think I'd be a complete mess if I got on stage and tried to be sexy rather than funny and I mean many people argue I'm, I'm a complete mess when I'm trying to be funny anyway but I wonder whether your mindset has to switch slightly because I feel like being sexy doing burlesque there's definitely a really strong persona that you go into there's a space Mm -hmm. that you go into as a performer that is not like Carmen around the house drinking a coffee with a cat right and exactly that's why we have like a different name for burlesque and stuff like Actor. so does April Fiasco have to switch it up slightly to be funny as in I know when I've watched people come from different genres try and do stand-up there's often been a process of like actually becoming more vulnerable allowing for more mistakes allowing for a little bit more of like peeking behind the curtain in order for it to be relatable and human and therefore more funny whereas with burlesque there's a bit more of a high art going on Mm. I know
0: what you mean burlesque is more like theater Mm. stand-up can feel more vulnerable because because usually when you do burlesque or cabaret you're doing it in a space where people are a bit more up for it Mm. and they like they're cheering they're like having a good night but sometimes at comedy nights it's not really like that and then you're like sharing intimate details about your life and then somebody doesn't laugh and you're like okay But then, like, in Burlesque, you might be getting your tits out, but everyone's like, woo, yay, tits. (laughs) And also, I think that, like, we have to get away from the idea that, I don't know, like, showing your... Some parts of your body are somehow more
1: important than showing other parts of your body. Yeah, or indeed, like, showing parts of your personality, showing parts of your past.
0: Mm, But, like, I have this act about OnlyFans Mm. and, like... um, people shaming people for doing it and all that kind of stuff and I like get completely naked in it and it's like is this a burlesque act
1: or a stand-up yeah it's burlesque
0: yeah don't worry I'm not like a male comedian who gets his dick out at comedy night Mm -hmm. so basically it's crazy that like yeah when I first started doing online work I was like oh my god like what if everyone sees my pussy or this or whatever? And it's like, why is that any different from everyone seeing my arm? But like, genitals are not inherently sexual. They're actually medical, they're actually for medical purposes. And also some people have a feet fetish. Some people like looking at feet more than they like looking at butts. So like, it's crazy that we have this idea that if you show parts of yourself, then you're like, I don't know, exposing yourself too much or something
1: I think you're right in terms of genitals are like have a a practical function in terms mm. of birth and urinating and shitting and having sex but I think we are conditioned as a society to feel like those areas are vulnerable and should only be exposed in mm. intimate settings so I'm interested for you in what it feels like to go mentally logically I think I should feel the same showing my pussy online as I do showing my fingers and my feet and then actually dealing with like the emotional fallout of that because I know it's important to be like this is what I think this is my principle this is my politics but then often the heart or the soul or the head is like actually do you know what my conditioning is still really strong
0: yeah no that totally makes sense and like I think that's why I didn't do online, online work for a long time, because I was like, oh, no, I can't do that. But I realised that that was
1: society. Mm-hmm.
0: That was societal influence. That wasn't really what I thought.
1: And do you feel like you've grown up with a certain level of rebelliousness, or at least a certain level of being like, no, I'm going to make my own choices. I'm not going to necessarily... Yeah, I think so. Yeah, is. I just
0: do what I want. Not all the time, but I kind of, yeah, have been... I guess known for like not following the rules or like just, I don't know, doing stuff that other people don't
1: wanna do yeah. or would never do. Has it impacted your relationships? Has it impacted your, like obviously most people would think about, oh my God, what's my mum or my dad's gonna think? Or, you know, people that you've grown up with who maybe are not aware of like the sex positive community or understand it as much?
0: Well, my dad's dead, so that's solved and my mom doesn't use social media right so, so that's solved and anyone else I don't really care mm-hmm. <laughs> also like I feel like at this point if I get so famous that people care about leaking my needs then at least <laughs> I've got that famous so <laughs> yeah. I'll have a platform and I'll have regular well-paid work and I'll have does that make sense yeah it makes it like, make sense
1: it's just really it's interesting like, to be like. These I don't think priorities. Kim Kardashian
0: cares that like her sex tape is on the internet. It's difficult because I don't, I don't like to watch anything or look at pictures that have been leaked without people's consent. So, for example, I've never seen the Jennifer Lawrence leaked uh, pictures no, 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 no. because she didn't consent to that. The Kim Kardashian, one I guess, is different because it's like, did she leak it herself? We don't know. Mm. I don't. I can't even remember if I've seen it. I might have seen bits of it, but now if it's quite obvious that the person didn't leak it for publicity and wouldn't show their body in that way, generally, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, obviously Kim's always got her butt out. Not saying it's okay because of that, but do you know
1: what I mean? Like, So for you, it's about choice. It's about- Yeah, totally. So like Jennifer Lawrence
0: obviously doesn't have that kind of public persona where she shows her butt all the time. She's not the sort of person who would who be like, oh, I'll leak it and I'll get loads of you know, attention. Mm. She, somebody violated her consent. So I don't want to see those pictures because she never consented to that. But obviously Kim Kardashian is a bit more complicated. isn't it? it's like, like she's made a brand out of it. But then having said that, I'm going to backtrack myself completely now and say that just because I've made a brand out of being sexy, doesn't mean it's okay for people to watch my videos that have been leaked without my consent. Yeah, or
1: even to leak Having
0: hands. said that, if they, I guess if they thought that I'd done it on purpose, I would maybe understand, but then how there's no way of knowing whether someone's done that on purpose or not. Sure, so, so maybe just don't it's a, leak. It's a very complicated don't leak issue. Comments
1: videos unless um, she gives you explicit permission to leak them and then pretend that she didn't so that she can <laughs> Exactly, her.
0: exactly. Unless I'm like, yeah, like, I just winked, by the way,
1: uh, for someone who can't, <laughs> <laughs> can't see what I'm doing. An audio wink. Oh, I feel nice. I feel very, very good indeed. Since... I feel lovely. Would you like to come and play with me? Okay. What is your relationship to sex like? Have you always been as sex positive as you are now or has that evolved?
0: Um, yeah, I definitely have always been open, but I think I didn't really understand my relationship with sex for a long time. So I thought I was more into it than I was. because I thought it was like, I think because I really wanted to have good sex and I wanted to have an orgasm I was obsessed with it because I couldn't have that but then now I'm just like really not that
1: good. When I first met Carmen today at the beginning of this interview I shared with her that I didn't have an orgasm until I was 30 which is obviously what inspired this podcast and Carmen you said oh yeah similar. Yeah I didn't have an orgasm until early 30s. Mm -hmm. And obviously had been having sex before that.
0: Yeah, I've been having sex for a long time before that. (laughs)
1: Uh, We couldn't hear (laughs) Carmen's audio wink and nor could you see the look that she just gave me of like, yeah, you stupid.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, do you know what? Oh my God, I could literally do this podcast for hours. I got two points to make. First one is that firstly, a lot of people are not that good in bed. They don't know what they're doing and they don't let you get turned on enough. Mm. Um, Secondly, a lot of the time, Hands and mouths just don't feel as powerful as vibr- vibrators. Mm-hmm. Like, I you, you don't know, you're just never going to feel as good. Sorry, babe. um And then, thirdly, this assumption that um, just because you're sexually open, that you have had lots of partners or that you've been sexually active from a young age is a bit crazy. So, for example, I'm going to use a very specific niche reference here. Mm-hmm. There's an episode of Angel where there's this woman. And she has this superpower where she can't touch people because I think she's got electricity or something in her. And um, But she looks very sexually confident and she's very attractive. And she's like, I don't know, I guess her character's like early 20s or something in it. And because of her condition, she's never had sex. But it's crazy to look at her and think she's never had sex because she looks so stereotypically what you would think that a character who has lots of sex would look like. And this is not a massive spoiler, but eventually she does end up having sex because she gets them something that can restrict her powers. So she's not going to burn the person kill the person she has sex with or whatever. But it's weird that I, I was looking at her and being like, Oh, it's weird. She, she's a virgin. Virgin is another problematic term. But, um, and also like, why do people think that if you look very wholesome and, you dress a certain way that you're not like a filthy bitch like it's crazy how we like kind of assume things about people
1: yeah and also how we internalize that ourselves so if you are somebody who uh, dresses in I don't know what terms to use because it's all so Mm. like it labels people but if you dress in a sexy way as opposed to just yeah you dress in a way that like enhances your your body and it like shows off your body in a way that you enjoy then you yourself might feel as if you're being as if you're sexualizing yourself and as if you're selling something you know because of the way we we approach bodies and everybody's a commodity and like you're selling a certain thing you're branding yourself as something and therefore you have to I definitely felt a great pressure to if I was putting myself out there and looking or behaving in like a promiscuous what a stupid word way then felt a lot of pressure to like back that up and be that person in an intimate relationship and then always felt terrified always felt like they're going to find out I'm a fraud as opposed to no I'm allowed to dress however I want to I'm allowed to enjoy being this person in public and then also I'm allowed to be like honest with my sexual partner and say I'm actually still exploring all this stuff and I'd really like it if we could take it quite slowly and and maybe not have sex straight away you know all that kind of thing without feeling like I was betraying some kind of invisible agreement I'd made just by having a cleavage
0: the assumption that you're up for certain things or that you're sex mad or whatever because you dress or speak a certain way or that you would want to have sex on the first night or whatever not saying it's it's not of course it's okay if you want to
1: but it has to be mutual because you had been stripping because you had been doing burlesque did you Mm. find that that was a kind of barrier for you actually doing more personal exploration having the space like the opportunities
0: no i don't think it was that i think it was more societal and more like just not really understanding my body and what i needed mm. because so many people don't understand this kind of stuff and then you know you watch paul and it's shit it doesn't really show yeah. you how to <laughs> pleasure yourself or pleasure other women mm.
1: Was there a turning point for you where you did work out, oh, no, I just need that high level of vibration, if that was what it was?
0: I think I realised that I needed it for longer and for harder and I also needed to think about certain things or do certain things and not just think about the things that everyone else thinks about. Mm.
1: Like, does that make sense? Yeah, you can be as specific as you want to be, but you also don't have to. (laughs) Because what's nice is you've said quite explicitly that you're happy in a space of like performance where your body is on show that's Mm. that's language we can use right because your body is the show yeah Uh, your body is on show and is the show and that doesn't necessarily mean that people know what's going on in your head and that doesn't necessarily mean that people know what's going on in your heart or your background or your story and you've said that when you've done stand-up sometimes that's felt more exposing and vulnerable than say burlesque or stripping because both like of what you're revealing and also because of the way audiences are primed to receive it. Like there's a feeling of you give stuff out. This is now me projecting because this is what I felt sometimes in stand up. You're like giving yourself out there, you're giving your story and people are just like, nah, that's not what I wanted. As opposed to like appreciating what it takes to get out there and put yourself out there. Mm. No, actually, no.
0: Sometimes when I talk about sex work on stage, people get really uncomfortable. Really? Mm. Why do you think that is? Because they think sex is so intimate and personal that when I talk about doing sex work as so blasé, they're like, I don't know, what Mm. the fuck? And also because mainstream media representation of sex workers has been so awful and so clichéd, so, like, sex workers are either, like victims or exploited or they're evil like bitches or they're like I don't know then a lot of the time when you see a sex worker on tv whether they're whatever part of the sex industry they work in they're not a full whole character mm. who has like needs and wants and like deserves respect they're just a stripper or, whore or whatever like they just like side, side to the plot. What's your opinion high-
1: on pleasure when it comes to sex work? In terms of, I was just thinking about those kinds of characters you see in TV, their lives are often deeply compartmentalised. So often when there's been like steps towards making sex workers' representation in entertainment more like holistic, you'll get now kind of, I feel like a real dichotomy where she's a mum in the day and she's just doing it so she can put cornflakes on the table and she loves mm-hmm. her kids so much and she goes and does the sex work and she grits her teeth all the way through it and she absolutely hates it, but it's okay because she's providing for her family. I feel like that's now often like the way it seems.
0: Yeah, but that that's similar to any other job. Like she, you know, she goes to work at um, the supermarket and like deals with shitty customers all day and grits her teeth and does a monologue in her head about how much she hates people <laughs> to get through the day it's like what if, if it, people can do that in other standard jobs then why can't you do that in sex work firstly mm-hmm. but secondly you're right there's either this, this extreme where it's like oh my god i hate it or there's like oh my god i'm so empowered i love this all the time i just love having sex i just love being sexy and it's like yeah. it's, somewhere in between is usually more accurate and sometimes it goes to one extreme and sometimes it goes to the other extreme just like any job when you you might really enjoy it sometimes you might really hate it sometimes or you might like some parts of it and not parts of it
1: i think that's such a good analogy of like scanning people's food through the checkout and wanting them to die and just like i don't know going down on somebody and and wishing they were dead um (laughs) (laughs) both things are equally possible at once you're just making that money um i you see what i mean it's
0: like so aren't allowed to complain about their job or say that they hate their job without people going oh we shouldn't do it then Oh, we need saving or oh, you shouldn't be showing your body you shouldn't be doing all that stuff but anyone who works in the fucking office can be like oh I hate my boss oh I don't want to go in today oh this is all so shit and you're not like oh that what a terribly exploitative career <laughs> have you thought about doing
1: something else I feel like you are in that example allowing us to see like ah uh, the more standard the more human side of sex work that often is like mm-hmm. overshadowed by shame and like outrageous and uh, modern day slavery etc um in terms of the way people often talk about it in the papers yeah. what are the main things that by doing sex positive events sexquisite doing your cyber tease what are the things that you want people to understand better be more clear on around that kind of work
0: what do I want people to understand better yeah like it's just it's different for everyone and most people are just doing it because they need money and it's like one of the only ways to earn a certain amount of money in a short amount of time and it has good points and it has bad points but um banning something doesn't make it better or easier or less dangerous when you ban something you push it further underground but when you decriminalize things and you just let people do what they want to do
1: Mm
0: -hmm. like within the limited choices they have in a capitalist society then you actually make the stigma less severe and you actually make you encourage sex workers to be treated better so when you say that oh sex work is disgusting and i would never do that and i would never want my daughter doing that then you almost give people like impetus to be like oh well she's just a whore oh well I don't have to treat her properly that is disgusting even the left-wing feminists think it's disgusting that they're doing that so she's not a whole person and um I'm gonna push her boundaries and I'm gonna say I'm gonna have a booking button I'm not gonna turn up and I'm not gonna pay her the full amount or whatever but when you're like this is a job that someone has has chosen to do in a capitalist society no matter how Forced or unforced those choices were, because we none of our choices are completely independent or free, even though we think they are. And you just go, I'm just going to treat them like a human person, as I treat the person at my supermarket checkout, as I treat my personal trainer, as I treat my beauty therapist, who might not, this might not be their dream. Um then you're like, okay, well, then that that makes more sense. I'll treat this person like a whole person. And they do deserve more rights and they do deserve more respects. But when you say, oh no, this person's a victim, but also they shouldn't be doing it. But also um, the people they see need to be criminalised so that the only people they're allowed to see are criminals. Then it just, like, it, it takes
1: away, like, all our autonomy. And it's not feminism. Would you say that the nights you run... Yeah. ...have allowed a space for sex workers to explore their creative side? Definitely. Side? So,
0: like, at... For, so with Sexquisite, we we run cabaret shows, and we have like people who've worked in the sex industry perform all sorts of different things. So like there's pole dance, there's circus, there's comedy, there's burlesque, there's music, there's aerial hoop, there's fire. Like we, like sex workers are so talented and we're not just what we do to pay bills. <laughs> like, um, but also, Equally, if you're a sex worker and you don't do anything else, you're not a performer. Well, sex work is inherently performative, so all performance. But if you, then it's still valid. It's still a valid job. It's still a valid life choice.
1: Mm.
0: And it does need to be made safer, and people do need to treat us better. But, but sex work itself is not the problem. Our extreme capitalist society and the way sex workers are treated by the media, by clients, by um, pseudo feminists is what needs to change.
1: Has sex work impacted the sex you have for pleasure?
0: I think it it has, but I also think that getting older and changing how I view sex and how I think, if anything, sex work has enlightened how I wish I'd already thought about sex anyway, in that it's not it's not an obligation that you do with your partner, even if they want you to, or even if they expect that. Men need to be way better at sex. Like, I don't know what the fuck they're doing, but they need to, like, read some manuals, watch some, like, proper porn, not just, like, porn that's like... Ah, ah, like, watch some something that's been designed for um,
1: learning how to pleasure women. Have you got any top tips? I like Erica Lust and there's that really good website, OMG Yes. It's all about women's orgasms, actually. That website, actually,
0: this is going to sound crazy, but I didn't know for ages that instead of just touching the clit directly, you could, like, (laughs) press down on the pubic mound above it and just press really hard in really hard circles and still stimulate the same place because nobody ever did that to me and I'd never seen anyone do it and I saw it on that video on that website and I tried started doing it I was like oh this actually feels really good why did no one tell me this before people it's almost like people don't want to be good at sex I don't know
1: (laughs) that's so interesting to me that you say that because I think I was the same I needed indirect it's indirect stimulation, like mm. right on it, desensitized too much, almost overwhelmed, around the edges, on the top.
0: Everyone's different, that's the thing. But like, if you don't know all the different ways to stimulate someone, then how are you going to
1: do it well? Post-pregnancy, I or post-birth, I have actually had, it took a while, but I think I'm now having maybe more pleasure. There's more space, there's more like flexibility. Mm. And there's more, I had one on my back for the first time. A couple of weeks ago, and I always used to have to be on top on my, on my front, Hi. emulating like how I masturbate. Whereas I just had one for the first time, or like multiple on my back, and it was like yes, I was so pleased because I was so determined. Like the night it happened, I was like really focused. I was like doing it because I was like I think this is gonna be possible tonight. And then once I got in my head, I was like I'm gonna get on my back. I was like that is I was like driving for it. So actually, in a way, I think the sex will be more fun laterally because I'll be less in my head, but. I got like, it was like, i like a bull with something. What do they say? It was like the bit between my teeth. And I was like, I'm going to get that. I'm going to, and then I got it. And I was
0: like, I I, I think there's this thing where, I don't know if this is true or not, women's sexual, women's sex lives get better as they get older. Like men peak at like 17, 18 in terms of like their sexual desire and how, and their stamina and like how often they can come and how easily they can come. And then we peak like in our like 30s and 40s. Which is crazy because
1: hence cougars, I think. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Lots of women in their forties end up dating younger men because they're like suddenly, oh wow. Oh wow. Then
0: some young men are just not that good at sex because they've watched too much porn.
1: Yeah, although I just read a really interesting article about, uh, maybe it was interesting because of the way it was written, and I quite liked the style of the writer, but she is a woman in her 40s who is has divorced her partner who she had kids with, and she's really enjoyed dating younger men because she says, or in her experience at least, she was like, they were much more pleasure-focused than people were when I was young. That's good. I the think There is a backlash, there's like a yeah, people are learning. It's like I guess you can't make any,
0: so hard to make generalisation, there will be Some people who are focused on pleasure and some people who aren't and some people were from any age group and any... Like, I had sex with this guy once and, like, you could just tell that he'd spent time, like, working out how to be really good. Like, he just knew what he was doing. It wasn't all haphazard and, like... It's like a skill, isn't it? It's like, say you go... Too many men are turning up, like, they're doing an open mic comedy night and they just, like... Yeah, like, like I said, like come up with some jokes off the internet or like come up with the darkest thing I can think of and then just put it out, put it onto your vagina. <laughs> I've heard this is funny. I'll just choke her without asking. I've heard the people like that. I'll just do a rape joke. I've heard that goes down well. <laughs> just
1: try my hand. I'll just try my hand at it. Yeah, exactly. I think, Yeah. oh God, it's too dark. I think there is definitely a parallel because it's like, I've never done it before, but I'm confident I can probably do it, is, like, the mode. And then women are more generally like, I could never do that. I could never. And then it takes them a long time to get there where they, like, study and practice.
0: Yes, it's study and practice. You're not just automatically good at sex, like anything. Like, you need to study and practice. And people (laughs) think it's an innate
1: skill and it isn't. Would you say that's the same for sex work? Have you had to do... Because I don't actually know in this discussion, I know that you work with sex workers in terms of platforming them doing your events and working for better representation and rights. And I don't know w- with you whether you do sex work yourself although you've spoken about it as if you do. So
0: sex work me is anything that's sex work is like stripping, escorting, doming online work. So I've done a mixture of different kinds of sex work, but sex work is just acting. You're just pretending that you're you're just selling a fantasy. And, like, also most of the sex work you do is for men. So men are, like,
1: really easy to please. So what you're saying, Carmen, is men need to study up and get better.
0: I'm not saying I haven't had mediocre sex with women too, but I think they are generally a bit better and generally care more about your pleasure and, and care more about finding out that and being better. But also I just think that, my standards used to be much lower and I would have sex with someone even if I only had a small connection with them and now I'm not doing that in my personal life unless I have a really big intense connection with them and I think it's going to be really good and really worth it otherwise what's the point
1: yeah that's lovely I'm glad you have got to that place I want you to have intense connection after intense (laughs) connection
0: Not like happening right now. I just came out of a long-term relationship a few months ago and um I've been on one date since then. And then I joined one of the dating sites and I've been doing a bit of chatting.
1: I was gonna say, do you think being a burlesque dancer, having done stripping, etc., does that affect the kind of people you message
0: you? Oh, so I it depends because sometimes I don't always say yes. stuff like that on my profile, and I also yes i think when you say that you do anything sexy or sexual sex work or whatever some people will think that's an invitation to talk to you however they want but though i'm not interested in those people and then the the people who are cool and just like yeah i'm just open whatever like don't think it's a big deal mm. are the people who i would want to date
1: or pursue a connection with think I once said that I did yoga on my profile this is a exactly exactly and that was seen as an invitation to be like oh you must be very flexible can I bend you this
0: way (laughs) exactly so men who are like that will jump on anything regardless it doesn't matter they'll find sex in yoga whereas like men who are still sexual beings too obviously want to fuck you will like be a bit more subtle about some men will be a bit more subtle about it yeah. and I appreciate the, the subtlety yeah you want the <laughs> chat
1: you want that you yeah want, you want that sense of humor.
0: exactly and then I don't I hardly get any matches with women because when, when you say you're interested in men and women on the website
1: you just get men 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 men, 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 men. <laughs> right who will bring their own third I'm sure um
0: bring on. their own what
1: Third, if they're like, oh, she's interested in men and women.
0: Oh, yes, there are quite like, a few couples on that on the yeah. site. But
1: I, yeah, like, I'm
0: open um, and poly, but I think I, I don't really like group sex that much. It's a bit
1: overwhelming. That's like, what I always I thought. I'm I don't like, know. I've never had group sex, and I think uh, people listening to this would be like, yeah, yeah, because you're way too square. But also because I honestly get, I get so overwhelmed just by, like, a buffet. I'm telling you,
0: it's overrated there's too much going on and then you have what you have to express your desires to two people not just one person and I, <laughs> I did have a really really fun threesome once after a comedy night because they were on their first date and they were in the
1: front row and I went home with them both but oh, <laughs> oh, that is that so really fun. fun I actually think that's because often you get really good interactions of people on the front row especially people who are on dates he was
0: a real prick. he was such a dick he was being such a dick uh, and he kept like heckling but then afterwards he obviously wanted to like fuck me so and then his date she was like into it too so we were like okay
1: where are they now i have
0: no idea <laughs> maybe i'll text them i've got both their it was like what that one night thing that never happens again
1: keep it as that in your memory do you mind if we try Uh, yeah sure my only important question left is how would you describe an orgasm what does it feel like to you
0: it feels like pure pleasure that you just never want to stop but then after a while, you do kind of want it to stop because then you need the distance between pleasure and no pleasure to
1: have the pleasure.
0: It's just like, yeah, oh, that's how it feels. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
1: <laughs> I'll record that and have it as my ringtone. Do you think they've changed for you? Have they changed for you over the years? Orgasms?
0: I think when I first started taking antidepressants, it was it became a bit harder to happen. But then I pushed through and it and now it's fine. If you take SSRIs, they can affect your ability to orgasm or to get um, to have a sex drive or to be aroused. Um, so for me, they did affect a little bit when I was like getting used to them. But it's like you yeah. you get this
1: thing that like improves your mood, but then you can't get the best feeling in the world.
0: <laughs> You're not allowed to. It's a trade-off.
1: Carmen, you've been wicked. Thank you so much for making the time for me. I can't wait to see a exquisite event. Have you got any of those coming up?
0: Yes. Yes, we've got a few events coming up. So um, it's Sex Worker Pride um, in September. the 16th of September and the 18th of September. So the 16th is at Bethnal Green Working Men's Club, which is a big cabaret venue in East London. And we have an after party to 2am. So that one's a bit more of a party um, show. And then on the Sunday, we have um, a show at The Glory, which is kind of Dalston, Haggerston area. Um, And that's going to be like a just the cabaret with no after party so if you're trying to decide which one to come to Friday night it's more like ah and we're going to have most of the same acts but some of the performances might be different I'm going to
1: try and make it one you you could come to
0: both like if if people want to come to both come to both oh yes also like I said earlier at the beginning of the recording 11th of September if you live in Bristol that is a um a show called Argasm which is a text positive night and myself and um baby chloe who has performed for sexquisite before will be there representing sexquisite and on the 6th of october is the next Cyber Tease. the tickets haven't come out yet but save the date 6th of october it will be in London you can see my titties up close and personal and, uh, <laughs> and then on the 8th of november at the glory again i have a um Work in progress of my solo show, um, which is a stand-up show about um, sex worker and rights, and I'm doing a double bill with Shan Doxy, who also oh, talks about similar stuff. So yeah. yes, those are the dates. Put the it, Helen, if you could put the links in your. Um... I will,
1: and I'll tag your
0: Instagram as well. Is that the best place to find you? I'm at Harlot Goddess on all social media like a um, harlot like a whore from the 18th century and goddess like the goddess that I am. <laughs> and then um, if you want to follow Sexquisite on Insta, it's at
1: sexquisite.events and cybertees is at Cybertease underscore. Incredible. And also I just want to say before we finish, I feel like we've talked about quite a lot of intense stuff in terms of rights and exploitation and judgment, but the burlesque shows that I've been to, I haven't yet been to a Sexquisite, but I am making a beeline for that 16th of September show have been so joyful and have made me feel so yeah. good in myself, about myself and about humans mm. in general and bodies and people and the collective community that I would really recommend anybody, wherever you are, if you're in Bristol, if you're in London, if you're across the country, seek an event out and go. Cause it's so yeah. much fun
0: thank you no I'm glad glad you enjoyed them and hopefully you enjoy
1: my burlesque as well yeah, I'm sure I will I've no doubt I really want to see that witch one I love that It was Carmen. I loved our conversation. I'm so glad she was open to keeping in the grey area. So sometimes she'd say something, say about Kim Kardashian's butt and then be like, actually, do I think that? Is that true? It's complicated, obviously. And I'm really pleased she was open to having those conversations and to examining her own thoughts. Just by virtue of being her, it wasn't like I was some sort of penetrating interviewer. It's just that she was up for, yeah, thinking about stuff and talking about it as she did that. I am going to link all of the shows she mentioned except for the 11th of September one because unfortunately that was a couple of days ago. I'm hoping that company continues to make stuff and do stuff so I'm going to link to them anyway link to Carmen's website link to her Instagram as she mentioned so that you can go and see the Sexpertise and the Cybertease shows, I will definitely be at one of the Sexpertise shows so maybe see you there. I'm also going to link to a couple of the things I mentioned I talked about an article in The Guardian where a woman was discussing young men now having more of a focus on female pleasure I'll link to that and oh yeah OMG Yes which is the website we struggled to find the name for when we were talking about learning how to wank better as women one of the things that I realized when I was listening back to this episode when I was talking about oh my god being able to have an orgasm on my back now it's happened twice more I'm getting so confident with it almost almost uh brazen almost arrogant with my capacity to come on my back now, by which I mean I'm like lying on my back and I'm having penetrative sex. I'm not talking about uh, masturbating, although I've never had one masturbating on my back. Actually, I always used to have one on my front, either on top of somebody whilst having sex or on top of my own hand. So yeah, I'm absolutely putting that out there as one of the positives of having a pregnancy. I think there's a lot of stuff that transmits this idea that sex is either over or awful after you've given birth and I'm telling you right now, it's gotten better. I've got more options, (laughs) which is really fun. And the other thing I wanted to say was Carmen talked about once she'd had her orgasm, she became less obsessed with sex. Like it became less important to her because she wasn't using it as a way to try and find out how her body worked. And I do feel a little bit similar. I never know whether it's because of the pregnancy and the like child caretaking or because I actually became kind of, yeah, obsessed with the idea of having an orgasm and once I'd had it everything was kind of like, Oh, okay, okay, cool. So I have sometimes found it difficult with this podcast to keep the flame alive, to keep being fascinated by it. So I'm really glad that people like Carmen and our guest next week who is an amazing activist, writer, content creator uh, and also somebody who lives with blindness and they talk to us about that experience and orgasms and sex. I'm so glad these people are coming to chat to me because their perspectives, their experiences are really keeping it like, keeping it fresh. The podcast isn't sex, but the parallels keep on coming. So I hope you are keeping okay. I hope you are surviving and thriving in this tricky, tricky time. And if you did want to send us some show I would be hugely, hugely grateful. As I said before, we are on Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash Helen Duff and Kofi for a one-off, ko-fi.com forward slash Helen Duff. Plus you can find us on all the socials. Send me a message, send us a rating or a review if you just want to get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Our email is c-a-y-a podcast, kaya podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, I think that's it. You can send me voice notes and stuff on there as well if you can't be bothered to type or if you just... A busy mum, or running along with a buggy. Why not? I love you. Have a fantastic rest of your week. I'm coming back next week, I promise, on time. Thank you for keeping with us, despite the interruption to scheduling. And take care of yourself.